to the Jaws Obsession. All good things come to those who wait. And as we have learned from the past, if there is a delay between episodes, an extended delay, that means there are some serious things happening behind the scenes. And we have some major announcements on this episode of the Jaws Obsession, episode 56, which we are going to call Tiger Shark. And as always, thank you very much for returning to the Jaws Obsession, where we are here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. And there are some serious things happening in the expanded Jaws universe that I can't wait to update everyone with. And that's the reason for the delay Great to be back. Great to be back. This is going to be episode 56, Tiger Shark. Does the Tiger Shark play a role in Jaws? And what is the historical significance of the Tiger Shark to Quint and Jaws and the Jaws universe? We're going to learn the significance of the Tiger Shark. So this is going to be exciting, but that's all going to be on the back half of this episode because the front half, we have some major announcements to get to. We also have emails, uh, some book reviews, and some Jaws news. We're going to get into some Jaws news as well. So, packed show today. Hopefully you have your coffee from the official uh, coffee of the Jaws Obsession, the Crack Bean Coffee Roastery in Syracuse, New York. You could visit the link and order a bag of coffee from Michelle over at the Crack Bean in the description of this broadcast on whatever platform you are listening on. Always got to have coffee, and I'm going to need a lot of coffee in the next month. That's for sure. A lot of coffee. No sleep in the Jaws Obsession, that's for sure. Okay, so here we here we go. One thing that I've learned is that all good things come to those who wait, and is that if you have patience and if you lock in and you focus on your goals, things are going to happen. It's only a matter of time. You just have to put in the work. It will eventually come around. So as everyone knows, with the book of Quint, there was an all-out push to find a literary agent, an agent that can represent the book, and take it to that next level. And it is an honor and a privilege to officially announce the Book of Quint has gained representation. That's right. The Book of Quint is now represented by the William Pettit Agency out of Atlanta, Georgia. Agent Bill Pettit, absolutely, did we find the right guy for the job. As you know, and everyone that's been following along, the Book of Quint is not just a mere book. It is the extension of the Jaws universe, and we need to have this a worldwide release for the book. What we were doing is we were not going to stop until we get to whose desk? That's right, to Steven Spielberg's desk. Director Spielberg, we wanted to get this story onto his desk, and then whatever happens after that happens. But what you need is you need right representation to do that. And Bill Pettit is the right agent at the right time. He stepped up at the William Pettit Agency. What does this actually, what does this bring to the Jaws obsession? What, do, what does this bring to the Book of Quint? 
Well, what this is, is Bill Pettit. He has 30 years experience in motion picture and television and the music industries, film and TV conceptualization, development and packaging, script consultation, screenwriting, casting, producing, talent and literary representation. He's worked on over 500 films and television projects, including The Hunger Games, The Walking Dead, Homeland, Revolution, Under the Dome, Nashville, Sleepy Hollow, Vampire Diaries, and Eastbound and Down. He's the chief executive officer and script supervisor of Blue Sky Literary. He's award-winning executive specializing in script development and representation of original screenplays, television series, and book-to-film projects. Book-to-film projects. So, what we have here, I was beating the trees and sending out query letters to literary agents, trying to get the Book of Quint for literary representation to go to publishers. This is beyond good news that we found an agent that not only represents the literary side of the Book of Quint, but the development side for book to film. And that is very important here. We're, we just jumped over an entire step that my whole plan was get the book into the publishing world, and then you have to try to navigate that and, and try to go into the book to screen world as well. So Bill found us and he can do both. That's why this is very exciting. This is a huge step, huge step. This is a great announcement. If you're just coming into this now, you're probably wondering, how did this happen? Well, let's just talk about John Tedder, as you know, is our Orca specialist. He sent a book of Quint to Sean O'Rourke. Now, Sean O'Rourke, and you're going to be able to follow along in the uh, description of this broadcast, I'm going to include links for Sean O'Rourke's YouTube channel. He's a YouTube personality. He talks about movies. He's involved in the movie business. He's been involved over 20 years over in Hollywood. And he speaks about all sorts of ranges of topics on the movie business on his show on YouTube. After he received a book from John Tedder, he did is what I'm calling is the unboxing video heard around the world. This unboxing video, it captured the excitement and the anticipation all in one little six and a half minute video that the Book of Quint can deliver to the Jaws world. Let me play a little bit of that right now so we can get a taste of what Sean O'Rourke brought to the table here when he did this video. Okay, we are back and today I'm gonna do an unboxing of a book called The Book of Quint. There's a guy named Ryan Dacko and he runs a podcast called The Jaws Obsession. This guy, Ryan, did an Indiegogo campaign, raising a little bit of money so that he could write a book called The Book of Quint. Ryan gets permission from Peter Benchley IPLLC Worldwide, basically, to do this book as long as 10% of the proceeds go to a charity that they endorse. How awesome is that? And here it is, perfectly sealed and bubble wrapped the book of quint wow there is the silhouette of robert shaw as quint on this beautiful hardback copy of the book of quint and we all know that famous scene in jaws beautiful absolutely beautiful so that was sean o'rourke and his book of quint unboxing video what happened after that was Sean read the first three chapters, immediately reached out to me, was blown away at the writing, that the writing and the approach to the material. And he was so excited that he actually contacted the production company that he works with. Uh, he works with Bill. And then Bill Pettit contacted me uh, back and forth. And so I signed with the William Pettit Agency to represent the Book of Quint. So if you haven't watched that video, please do. Go over to YouTube.com, Sean O'Rourke. Follow the links in the description below. And you'll be able to watch that video because that is going to be a very important part to this story. As the Book of Quint moves on into the future, that video is going to be a moment where it breaks out. A breakout moment. So go over there, watch it, and and tell Sean uh, your appreciation because um, that was how Agent Bill, as we're going to call him from now on, that for the Jaws obsession, Agent Bill was able to contact me. Now we're working together on this. So from John to Sean, then to Agent Bill, now we have representation. And there it is. The search for the agent is over now. 
Let's talk about the rejections and the rejection and the process of searching for the agent. Why I keep saying all good things come to those who wait is that I was sending letters out and believe me, I had a back and forth with one literary agency, but the, the process is very difficult. And I read a lot of times about the writers and how the process to get their book published and to go back and forth with literary agents is, is, is a difficult one. It's not easy. It's not easy taking rejections. And I'm not going to say that we were batting a thousand. The Book of Quint was getting turned down by multiple literary agents. And the, the thing is, is that there is no panic. When you believe in what you're doing, and, and, and if, you have, if you have faith that what you have done is, is necessary, what these literary agents did not have is what I had is the access to all the early Book of Quint readers that were writing in, all of you listening out there in the Jaws obsession, all of you were able to get a copy of the Book of Quint. You were finishing it and you were writing me back the most glorious reviews, the heartfelt reviews that I have been receiving. I can't even read them all on this show. It's just there's there are so many coming in from all over the world. It's inspiring. And I knew that there is something more here. It's just only a matter of time. So you don't panic. You just sit in the box and you just take those hits. And the literary agents couldn't see it. I was trying to communicate it to them, but I just knew that eventually what was amazing is that without those rejections, there wouldn't have been the time to be available for the William Pettit agency. So you have to go through that fire. You have to walk over those hot coals and get your, and get your feet burned and get toughened up. Multiple doors close, but this door is still open. So if one of those agents decided to take a shot on it and we went with them, we wouldn't have been able to be in a position now where the Book of Quint is at the same time that it's going to be worked towards the publishers. It's now currently in development for the silver screen. How about that? Amazing how things work out. Extreme gratitude to the William Pettit Agency for seeing what we are doing here at the Jaws Obsession and for believing in the Book of Quint. With every new reader to the Book of Quint, I'm seeing a spark, and that spark, it's bringing us closer together, okay? The Book of Quint is bringing us as a Jaws community. It's bringing us as fans of cinema. We're coming closer together over this, and it's like that sold-out drive-in back in the summer of 2020, with the 500 cars when I first had a spark of inspiration. That's what's happening here, is that all the right people who love Jaws, who have a passion for Jaws, Sean O'Rourke, and now Bill Pettit, and everyone that's reading this book, everyone's coming together and it's coalescing around this idea, and that people are feeling that. And I'm telling you right now, it's getting felt at the highest levels. I saw an interview with uh, John Grisham. So John Grisham was on stage with Stephen King. John Grisham is the is a famous uh, author, uh, A Time to Kill, The Pelican Brief Firm, and he was on stage with Stephen King, obviously a very famous author. And John Grisham was talking about when he was trying to get published his earliest novel, A Time to Kill, and then The Firm into publication, and he had the literary agent. And this, this really rang true to me, and I kept replaying this over and over in my mind. And so I want to play this right now on the Jaws Obsession. Let's hear what Mr. Grisham has to say about getting a book into publication. But the truth is, um, and I still say this, and I hope I, it doesn't sound naive, when I talk to aspiring writers, uh, it, yeah, it's more difficult to get published today probably than it was when we got published. We got, you know, even though it was impo looked impossible back then. But every year, every year you have dozens of first-time authors who come out with novels. Uh, some are good, some are, some are not so good. And I, and, I, and I keep telling people over and over, if what you're writing is good, it will eventually be noticed. Yeah. Because there are so many people now looking for uh, new material with all the different methods of publication now and, and you know, instant communication. You know, if, if, if you're writing something good, it is eventually going to be noticed. And if it's not eventually noticed, you probably are wasting your time. Yeah. I was replaying that over in my mind over and over again, that I, that the book of Quint is a worthy story uh, on the lives of people who are reading it. It's making its mark. And that is a worthy effort to 
keep pushing and keep pushing. And he said, if the book is good, it's going to get noticed. The, the letters that were coming in and the emails and the book reviews were letting me know that this will get noticed. It's only a matter of time. And look what happened. So now there has to be reports and, you know, it's too early to say some things. However, I was just given a directive today. I was just on the phone with Agent Bill and Agent Bill had given me the directive that we're going to need a screenplay to the Book of Quint. There is anticipation and now there is a demand for a screenplay to the Book of Quint, of which that I said I would be, I would be more than willing to do one and that my early training, remember, my early training is in screenwriting. I can do that, and that's what I'm going to be doing is taking this novel and converting it to screenplay format at the directives of Agent Bill of the William Pettit Agency. So how about that, that we are currently in development to see the Book of Quint make its move towards the big screen? Now that is some groundbreaking news. How different are we now from way back when on episode 20 when we were announcing the Indiegogo campaign? Look how far we've come as a Jaws community. Very exciting. And I want to thank everyone out there for your support and for continuing to back this project. And we all have to applaud Agent Bill of the William Pettit Agency. He's in play now. He took the wheel of this ship and we're headed into uncharted waters. It's exciting and it's it's intense and it's inspiring. So I'm loaded with work. You, sh- you should have seen what I was doing this last week. I was doing, uh, there was so much material that I had to get organized and done for that he was requesting. He, he loaded me up with five or six different tasks. And I knocked those all out the, over the weekend. And here we are with uh, an ultimate task. He needs a screenplay. So that's what you do. You don't, you, you don't sit back. There's just no time. There's no time for uh, vacations and all sorts of stuff. And um and uh, I got the support from Tatiana. Tatiana's excited, so she's she's backing me on this. And we're going to do this. We're going to get a screenplay done, and we're going to get them a screenplay like they have never seen before. The Book of Quint in screenplay format. How exciting. How exciting is this going to be? I am so excited with these emails that are coming in, and I apologize if I have not written back to everyone. I want to write back to everyone, but I have been swamped. Not not only did we get hit with a storm up here in upstate New York, a, a winter storm, I put in 70 hours last week at work when I would come home, get two, three hours of sleep, get up, and you have to get that stuff done because we have an agent now. There's no time to mess around. I'm taking this as serious as anything. That's why I haven't been able to respond to emails, but I will respond eventually to everybody. But I just want to say that some of the best emails are coming in. Andrew Curry wrote in. Now, Andrew Curry, he has worked in the shark science area over in the UK. I look forward to having him on the show. He's going to be bringing some uh, of his expertise into future episodes. But he wrote in to say a, a very quick note. On the same day that I discovered you found a publisher, I finished reading the last chapter of the Book of Quint. My short review is, number one, wow. Number two, the Book of Quint is canon to Jaws. And number three, the Book of Quint is Jaws-worthy. Kind regards, Andrew Curry from Carlisle, England. How great is that? Now, that this is a senior Jaws fan. He saw the movie in the cinema, so we're talking lifelong Jaws fan. To hear him say that this book is canon to Jaws, that is very, very huge. Thank you very much, Andy, because that endorsement right there makes this even more special. Because if you read the book of Quint and it marries up directly to Jaws, then you have the perfect prequel. That everything doesn't negate anything that happens in Jaws. Everything just works well together when you view it as a whole. And that's very important here. And also Andy's helping me out uh, that he was keeping notes and if he found any typos or errors, which there are in there, remember the Book of Quint was only published in 300 copies. That 300 copies is from eight different revisions. I remember I had over 5,000 errors and formatting checks that I had to correct through those eight different revisions. So, but there are still some that get through. So Andy is going to help out, but he says that he's not sure how the publishing process works, but it may be worth double checking to cover all bases. I want to be sure. You want to be sure. We all want to be sure. Cheers, buddy. Andy. Yes, Andy, thank you so much because 
anytime you see a typo or anything, let me know at jawsob2025 at gmail.com because I'm making a list because Agent Bill is also taking the book of Quint to the publishers. And we're, so we're working forwards and backwards here is that we're doing development from book to screen, but we're also looking at going to the publishers as well to get a worldwide release. And eventually that publisher is going to want to do a polishing edit with their own editor of which I will have extensive notes as to where parts to uh, where there are small minor corrections in the book as it stands. So that's going to be very uh, helpful. So thank you very much, Andy. I look forward to having you on the show. Thank you very much for writing in. He has some great input. One review that has hit me is there is a student in film school in Kiev, Ukraine, Oleg. He was one of the winners of the Book of Quint giveaway. And if you remember, we had that way back in on a previous episode about uh, he he wrote in with the correct brand and model of Hooper's uh, scuba tank. So it took a while, but I was able to get a Book of Quint over into Ukraine and Oleg received it. He sent a really heartfelt message. You could see how uh, he was, uh, the, the emotion of him holding the Book of Quint, because it, in, in Ukraine, it is difficult to get books in general. Um, it costs so much. It's very expensive to get certain books sent over there because they uh, because the system, especially in the current age with the war going on, and this hits close to home because my wife is from Ukraine, my father is from Ukraine, and if anyone can remember way back uh, a year ago, actually this week, uh, was when I had to go and put the writing for the Book of Quint on hold to go and get my mother-in-law out of Ukraine because the war had started. And that was an intense situation. So this one, when, when, when I saw that I had a uh, passionate Jaws fan that was following the show from Ukraine, I wanted to make sure that he got this book and um, it took a while, but he got it. And now here is his one of his reviews. So let me read that here. He says, hello, Ryan. This is Oleg once again. I hope this and the last letter reach you in a good mood and good health. I'm here to give you my first impression after devouring 190 pages in just three days. I wanted to write you earlier, as a matter of fact. I wanted to do so after my first night reading when I got 90 pages and wrecked my sleeping schedule. But I felt like I wanted to finish part one at least before writing to you. As soon as I finished it on day two, I once again logged into my Gmail to write a letter to you. But seeing that gorgeous art at the beginning of part two and later Herschel's name, I was just swallowed whole. So today, after three days of the obsessive night reading, I thought it would be a perfect time. No beating around the bush. This book is a masterpiece. And trust me, I have a long history of reading. I can tell when a book is special after about 10 pages. And this beast is beyond special. What you crafted here, Ryan, is worthy of Jaws in the best ways possible. Your characters are interesting and saturated. Your locations and events are gripping. And you have this amazing writing style that reminds me of a mix of Hemingway, Crichton, and a little bit of Melville, while still very much being original. Wow, I have chills. That's, that's wow, what a compliment. Um, he continues on. You pick out these details that make the picture pop into your head and I always had a good imagination. So this book takes full advantage of that. Seeing Amity Point through the eyes of young Herschel is so vivid and real that it feels like you are watching the movie in an IMAX theater. I was a bit worried as the pages that you put out before for all to see on the website seemed a bit too complicated, but I was wrong. When I got th to that exact moment with Herbie, it just felt right. The book is written fantastically, and I could go on and on about it, but I'll save some more of my ramblings for a full review when I finish the book. This book feels, smells, and looks stunning. I did not expect such a level of care and quality. Overall, I find this book to feel similar to the Better Call Saul TV series. They are both prequels that add so much to the original work and yet still will work phenomenally if separated from it. You created a world that we Jaws fans dream to see and hear more of, but just never got the chance. So I'm incredibly thankful for this absolute stunner of a book. Bottom line, this book is a masterpiece worthy of recognition, popularity, and further down the line, a proper film adaptation. 
with gratitude and best regards. Oleg in Ukraine. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much for that wonderful review. And Oleg is so impressive. He writes with such uh, such qualified English. I'm going to have to try to thank him in my Ukrainian. Oleg, duje diakuyu, diakuyu zavash vidhuk, pro tsu knihu. Duje diakuyu, Oleg, slava ukraini, heroyam slava. Thank you for your review. What a wonderful, wonderful, inspirational letter. Thank you. So hopefully he can understand that in my American and my Americansky accent uh, with my Ukrainian. I wish I had more practice, but we'll. Uh, and that is that right there hits close to home. In that look at where we'll look at where we have come in the in 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 the span of one year. I remember putting the writing on hold to go over there with a friend of mine to get his mom and my mother-in-law out of uh, Ukraine. And here we are with not just the finished book, but the book being enjoyed by a film student over there. It's inspiring. And to hear these types of words means that what we have done here on the Jaws Obsession, and remember, all of you out there listening have been a part of this, because I could not have done this without you, the listener. By holding the Indiegogo campaign, and then the publishing, and then the printing, and the distribution, and all of that up until now. So that's one year of time we've gone from, look at how far we've come. And that is just so special. I just think these are more than just this. There are no coincidences in the Jaws Obsession. This is a sign that we are in the right direction here. And it's very special email from Oleg. I want to thank you so much, sir. And I hope you enjoy the rest of that book. I can't wait what you think. I can't wait to hear what you think about later chapters. I love talking about the book of Quint to the readers on the Jaws Obsession. I wish I could talk more freely about the book of Quint, but I don't want to release any spoilers. There are so many revelations that happen that I have to check myself as to what I say because I don't want to ruin the experience of you out there who maybe have not read it yet. It is quite the story, and it is going to make for a great addition to the Jaws universe. I understand that, especially after reading such emails like this. Thank you, Oleg. Thank you so much, and we will be in touch soon. Let's get to Griff. Uh, Griff Claypool from Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Ryan. I finished the Book of Quint a few weeks ago, and all I have to say is, wow, a job well done. I wanted to let it marinate for a bit before reporting back with my review. Your respect for Jaws and the character of Quint shines through in every chapter. The research poured into this book, and the attention to detail is nothing short of impressive. The harrowing events of the aftermath of the sinking of the USS Indianapolis is horrifying, yet yet portrayed tastefully and respectfully. Your understanding of the characters that we've grown to know and love is to be commended. Not just Quint, Herschel, Vaughn, and Hooper, but the characters of Amity and the Orca. I always felt they were living, breathing characters of the film, and your novel only builds upon that. I immediately and predictably... Rewatch Jaws after finishing the book. The viewing and all future viewings will be an even richer experience thanks to your work. I also rewatched Jaws 2, and while that film isn't perfect, it understands what made the original work so effectively much better than Jaws 3D and Jaws the Revenge. The opening scene in 2, wherein the divers are exploring the wreck of the orca, now feels like visiting an old friend's grave. I look forward to the day the Book of Quint reaches a wide audience and, God willing, the silver screen. This is a story all Jaws fans need to enjoy. Can't wait for more updates and analysis on the Jaws obsession. Cheers and good luck in your future endeavors. Regards, Griff Claypool from Columbus, Ohio. Thank you so much, sir. And Griff follows uh, the Book of Quint on Instagram, at Book of Quint. That wonderful review. How about that? He he actually watched not just Jaws, but Jaws 2. And boy, oh boy, do I have some surprises for everyone out there. Uh, as Of course, as you know, there is a chapter called Cable Junction in the Book of Quint. Uh, that actually explains certain elements of Cable Junction that are seen in, in Jaws 2. But what happens is Jaws 1 and Jaws 2, they work well together. And we can't deny the performance by Roy Scheider as Brody. 
Uh, but if you watch the mayor's performance in Jaws 2, knowing the events of Jaws and then the Book of Quint, that performance is very apt. Murray Hamilton, watch Murray Hamilton as the mayor in Jaws 2, and it all makes sense. So the Book of Quint reaches through Jaws and into Jaws 2. When everything works out, and this book gets into wide publication, the inevitable question is going to be, what is next? Do you have anything else? With what I have received after the writing, um, during the writing process of the Book of Quint, it just, those, those ideas do not stop. They extend and they extend. And from the Jaws obsession, more ideas were formed. And there, is go- there are going to be great things ahead. There is going to be much, much more to the story that needs to be told. So thank you very much, Griff, for that great review. Yet another example of a Jaws fan stating, unequivocally stating, uh, that the Book of Quint is canon to Jaws. I can't wait. I can't wait to share more good news because there's a lot happening behind the scenes regarding uh, not just the Book of Quint reaching a wider audience in print form, but these, possibly the silver screen. That will do it for the emails for this episode. So let's go to Jaws News because we have some Jaws News to talk about. And as you know, if you go to our show notes over at Jaw, uh, at Telegram channel at Jaws OB, I post all the links for these articles that I'll be referencing. Our Jaws News for uh, this episode 56, the first one is an unfortunate news, is the Jaws world is in mourning at this time with the, the passing of Edith Blake. Edith Blake was a vineyard photographer who documented Jaws, and she passed away at 97 years old. There's an article here from the Vineyard Gazette. Uh, Edith Blake, who cut a colorful figure in Eggertown society for decades and famously documented the filming of the movie Jaws on Martha's Vineyard in the summer of 1974, died Saturday at the Martha's Vineyard Hospital. She was 97 years old. This is, an, this is a great loss to the Jaws world, the Jaws history that passed on with this woman. She, uh, she wrote On Location on Martha's Vineyard, The Making of Jaws. So she wrote this book and uh, published it in 1975. And I believe this was one month before Carl Gottlieb's The Jaws Log. That was also published in 1975. But this book, as well as Carl Gottlieb's book, was were very influential to many, many filmmakers and many fans of Jaws. They started this. So Edith Blake started um, with the documentation of the making of Jaws and that lore that made watching Jaws that much more special. And many of us that grew up in the late 70s, early 80s, there, were, there weren't many books out there in regards to Jaws. So you either had, you could watch the movie or you could read Peter Benchley's novel. But these two books were so important in that they extended the fascination of Jaws to many, many uh, younger minds, including myself. And the behind-the-scenes photos, the alternate angles... Everything you could just, uh, I remember carrying around these books from, uh, in Cape Cod and then, of course, to, to and from school on the school bus throughout my elementary days. So Edith Blake had an impact on Jaws, not just from documenting the making of Jaws with her book that was released in 75 and then reprinted recently, a hardcover reprinting in 2020. What that also did was it brought us right into the Jaws production, and it increased our fascination with this greatest movie of all time. It can't be stated enough how impactful Miss Blake's work was to the Jaws community and, and, and this Jaws obsession. The Jaws obsession, many times, if you've heard me in the past, there's many times I've actually referred to her book for information when we would go into certain topics. It was her and Carl Gottlieb that started this whole thing. And frankly, in my mind, the whole fascination in other movies from the Star Wars movies, the Indiana Jones movies, and so on, the the books that came out later on documenting the filming and the making and, and behind-the-scenes aspects, that kind I believe that kind of started with Edith Blake and then with Carl Gottlieb. So we lost one half of this Jaws history here uh, with the passing of Miss Blake and our 
prayers and condolences go to her family. And it is up to us to take the information that she left and to not let it drift off into obscurity. That we're going to take this book that she that I have a copy of and now a lot of people have a copy of. And I'm going to continue using this book in reference for future episodes. The name Edith Blake is not going to be forgotten because we as a Jaws community going into the future with an expanded Jaws universe is going to keep that name alive. We need to celebrate the achievement of Miss Blake in bringing us closer to Jaws. I have an article here. Director Steven Spielberg has been in the news. A couple articles here. Very interesting things going on here. Uh, very interesting things. Very interesting timing of it all. One article from uh, Deadline.com, and I'm going to include this article on the show notes. Uh, Steven Spielberg has yet to set his next movie. Quote, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I have no idea. End quote. That's from the Berlin Film Festival. Uh, Steven Spielberg told a Berlin Film Festival press conference on Tuesday that he has yet to set his next movie in the wake of back-to-back productions of The West Side Story and The Fablemans. Quote, I was so involved with two films back-to-back, I never had a chance to think about what I'm going to do when these two movies are over. And I sit here in front of all of you saying, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I have no idea. The quote continues on, it's kind of a nice feeling and it's also a horrible feeling. It's nice that I can actually have control of my life again and make my own choices in my real life, but I need to work and I love to work. And that's the best question I'm going to have with the rest of the year trying to figure this out. End quote. Well, Mr. Spielberg, isn't that interesting? The rest of the year to figure out what he's going to do next. And we just happen to have a little project over here called the Book of Quint that might be of his interest. Isn't that interesting? This is all working out. This can happen. All you have to do is see it in your mind. This can happen. And if the Jaws fans make enough noise, if we all make enough noise together, it can happen. Another article, Steven Spielberg from the same place. This is from gizmodo.com. During his recent acceptance speech for the Honorary Golden Bear Award at the Berlin International Film Festival, Steven Spielberg states he wants to get back to some of those earlier, scarier movies, end quote. Let's just read the quote right here. Um, I got to get back to some of those earlier, scarier movies, but that's another story for later on. As long as there's joy in it for me, and as long as my audience can find joy and other human values in my films, I'm reluctant to ever say that's a wrap. Very interesting. Longing, he says he's. Uh, he, I got to get back to some of those earlier, scarier movies. Could he be hinting at a return to Jaws? Maybe a prequel to Jaws. Jaws is considered a scary movie, and it's one of his earlier films. So why not? Why not come back and do that prequel that we believe here at the Jaws Obsession that Steven Spielberg always wanted to do? That prequel telling about. Uh, the life of Quint, and the uh, the escape from the USS Indianapolis tragedy. How did Quint get out of the water? We're going to see that in the book of Quint. We actually see that happen, and then we see more to the story. I don't think these are coincidences. I think these are the Jaws universe. I think this is the universe coming together. I think all the forces are pulling in. Um, uh, I've been received. I've received so much help working with Agent Bill and getting material ready in order to send that out to the, uh, to the higher-ups. There are things happening, there's, there's things afoot that are happening that we can't quite explain, but isn't that what we are used to with the movie Jaws? That things happened on that set that can't be explained, and the movie just came out the way it is, that if it was made at any other time or any other era, it wouldn't be as fantastic as we know it to be. And that's what's happening here. That same playbook is still in order. It's still happening. Wonderful to see. I just believe that if you stay the course, you're at least going to get a definitive, a definitive answer. And that's all we can hope for. But we do have the book, and that's what we are looking at now, is that we do have the book in print form, so everyone can go over there and read the Book of Quint. Very exciting. If you haven't gotten a Book of Quint, if you haven't gotten a book of Quint yet, there are still few available. I think there might be less than 10. Um, I don't know what Michelle's system says, but there might only be 10 books left. 
over at the Cracked Bean Coffee Roastery. Follow the links in the description below for you can go over to her site and you can order the Book of Quint. There's only there, there was only 300 of these made, and I have to hold some back for sending out to insiders, higher ups that need that are going to need to read the story. So really, we only have about less than 10 to send out. So if you haven't gotten one, you might want to go over there and get it because this could be the last week. I'm not saying it is, but Crack Bean Coffee Roastery, go to their merchandise section, Book of Quint sitting right there. Or if you're in Syracuse, New York, just walk right in the coffee shop and look on the counter. They're sitting right there. That's Jaws News for episode 56. Remember, there are no coincidences in the Jaws obsession. And I believe um, Agent Bill is realizing that as well. We are at the right place at the right time. The work has been done that this project started in uh, the summer of 2020 and has grown into where we are now, approaching the spring of 2023. And we are at a good place and a good time. Uh, and, and that's why, so I, my workload has increased here, but it's a good workload because we wouldn't want to be anywhere else, would we? This is great. So let's get into episode 56 with the tiger shark. What is the significance of the tiger shark in Jaws? That the tiger shark plays an influence in the Jaws universe. There are some interesting tie-ins with the tiger shark and the history that in the movie, the tiger shark is mentioned a few times, very specifically. I wanted to go in and uh, talk about that a little bit here. But what I also will do is we're going to get into some history and the reason why there is a tiger shark is featured in the Book of Quint. So there's three elements, there's three parts where the tiger shark is mentioned in Jaws. So the first one, obviously, is right at the beginning. There's a whole history around this sequence. I don't know. I think it's a McCall. Got a deep throat, Brad. Yeah, but what kind? What kind of shark? Tiger shark. A what? Uh, the, the famous tiger shark sequence. We super went into the a what line back on episode 53. So if you haven't listened to that, you could go back and listen to that. But what we're going to talk about is the tiger shark that's hanging in that scene right there. For that, we're going to go to a, a couple of books here. So what was really significant about this is that the production of Jaws required the, um, they wanted a real shark for this sequence. So this is the shark that the fishermen catch in the movie. What's famously known is that this was a real shark that was caught for the production and then shipped up into Martha's Vineyard so they could use it. What's interesting here is, and I'm just going to speak from personal experience, that many, uh, for many of us that did not have access to the ocean 365 days a year, this was one of the first real sharks we saw. Back then, there was no Shark Week. The shark documentaries were slim to none. In fact, you might the, um, the old uh, Leonard Nimoy hosted In Search Of, had a few shark episodes that I remember watching on reruns when I was younger. And that was one of the few times you could actually see sharks. But in Jaws, what was fascinating was that it was a real shark. And you could look at it, you could see the gills, you could see the texture on the skin. Uh, when they opened the mouth up, it was a tiger shark. That was the first real shark many of us saw and we could study up close because it's in this feature film and in the days of vhs that was uh, such a treat was to actually see a real shark uh, and, and because all mov most movies had fake sharks and if they did have real shark footage like thunderball uh the james bond movie that had tiger sharks in that that they were swimming around and you just saw them underwater but this was an actual autopsy like version of a shark where you actually saw it paused and right there in the frame and you could see the flies on it and everything. So it was very fascinating. So this tiger shark, even though it lost its life for the production, I imagine that this tiger shark fascinated many people out there, many fans out there, and many people that would eventually go on to become marine biologists or uh, uh, underwater photographers they were probably fascinated with this too. What do you think? Do you uh, Did the tiger shark fascinate you when you were younger and when you saw this sequence in Jaws? I'm going to go to Edith Blake's book on location on Martha's Vineyard, The Making of Jaws. I want to go into exactly how this shark got to the set. So word had previously gone, this is from page 38 of her book, 
Word had previously gone out along the eastern seaboard that Jaws needed a shark. So there had been considerable sea searching for one, and an 11-foot tiger shark was turned up in Sarasota, Florida. It was promptly wrapped in salt and flown to the island in its own private jet at the rumored cost of $12,000. But she touched on that a little, and I wanted to, um, in a few of the other, in Carl Gottlieb's book and also in Jaws Memories from Martha's Vineyard by Matt Taylor, and in Carl Gottlieb's The Jaws Log, the way this shark, this tiger shark, found its way up to Martha's Vineyard was quite the was quite the feat. It says here it was just assumed. Okay, so Carl Gottlieb said it was just assumed that we'd be able to catch a local shark that was big enough to be mistaken for the shark. Carl continues on when we wouldn't, when we couldn't. Teddy Grossman flew down to Florida to get one. Teddy was a stuntman and a sort of man of all work, and a very close friend of Dick Zanuck, who was one of the producers. So if you haven't yet learned about who Ted Grossman was, you go back and listen to the Jaws Obsession, Episode 9, Who Was Ted Grossman? Ted Grossman was the stuntman on the set of Jaws. He played the estuary victim, Boy Scout swim coach leader that's in the little red boat that gets taken by the shark in front of Michael Brody and his friends. That's Ted Grossman. Go back and listen to Episode 9 because we went into Ted a little bit more there. But um, Carl wrote, which was very interesting. This is very interesting stuff. Carl Gottlieb's The Jaws Log on page 101. And this is from the 25th anniversary edition. So there was this push to find a shark, a large shark. Uh, they couldn't capture one off of Martha's Vineyard. So Teddy Grossman, remember, Ted Grossman is the estuary victim here. Ted Grossman had a friend who's the director of player personnel for the Miami Dolphins. So he calls him in Florida to see if they got any sharks down there this time of year. The head of casting at Universal back in the tower in Hollywood has contracts with some sports fishermen in Sarasota, and they guarantee a shark that's like the one we need. So Teddy and Fred Zendar, the ancient mariner, fly down to Miami and Sarasota to catch a shark. Carl reports that Fred Zendar is a Swiss gentleman who left his native Alps to be a newsreel cameraman in the 1920s. He was on the long march with Mao in China. He was with Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway, in Cuba. He was with Spencer Tracy as technical advisor on The Old Man in the Sea. He's worked on hundreds of sea pictures at all the studios, and he has master's papers entitling him to steer anything short of 100 tons of displacement, all oceans or something like that. So on Saturday morning, out they go. Fred and Teddy are uh, pacing the sand, knowing that the shark, shark needs to be delivered to the set on Monday. And if they don't come up with it, they might as well not go back. But by nightfall... The good old boys of Florida are back with a perfect specimen, a 13-foot tiger shark. A 13-foot tiger shark, the right size and everything. Killed clean with a single 12-gauge shotgun blast from a powerhead right on top between the ice. So they, uh, there's a little waterfront haggling. Uh, the deal is struck, and now our boys are the proud possessors of a 750-pound dead tiger shark, and it's Saturday night. So what happens is they have a 15-foot wooden casket constructed for the 750-pound shark. Uh, they box it up with salt and ice, and then what are we looking at? We're looking at the, the, the tiger shark that was used is reported as a 13-foot tiger shark. Okay. Now, if you look on page 72 of Jaws Memories from Martha's Vineyard by Matt Taylor. On page 72, the crate, the crate that they put the tiger shark in. It's spray-painted Zanuck and Brown production Jaws, director Steven Spielberg, Grossman Zendar Shark Seekers Incorporated. The name that's spray-painted on the side of the crate is Oscar. The name Oscar. Now that's spray painted there, so what it is, is on the evening of May 12th, a chartered FedEx plane carrying Universal's precious cargo, affectionately dubbed Oscar by Grossman and his Florida cohorts, landed at Martha's Vineyard Airport, where waiting Teamsters raced the shark's makeshift coffin to the walk-in refrigeration unit at Norton and Easterbrook's dock. The following morning, the beast was suspended by its tail and wounded, quote-unquote, by an almost a farcical 
battery of harpoons, knives, and guns, fully dissolving into character as the Armada's zealously executed quarry. So what happened is, is that they dubbed this tiger shark Oscar. That was either uh, Fred, Fred Zendar or Ted Grossman. Now, I am curious how they got to that term Oscar, because there is a tie-in that is going to come up later on that we're going to get to. So that was the first appearance of the tiger shark in, in Jaws, 33rd minute. So that was the first appearance of the tiger shark. Now, what's important to see after, during this, during the dock scene, the tiger shark is strung up. What is important to see is that is our first glimpse of the orca. When Quint is piloting the Orca down Amity Harbor, and he is even in the back there going left to right, screen left to right behind Hooper when Hooper says Tiger Shark. If you look on the front of the Orca, there is a shark jaws that is mounted there. That is a shark jaws. That is a tiger shark jaws. That's verified by people that were on set. And a tiger shark has a very distinct tooth. It's a serrated tooth, but it has a very distinct hook to it. And that is what you will see if you, if you pause at any of the frames. You can actually see those tiger shark teeth identifying that jaws on the front of the orca as a tiger shark jaws. So now you have Quint with not a great white shark's jaws, on the front of the orca, a tiger shark's jaws on the front of the orca. There has to be some significance uh, that will play in later on that this tiger shark means a little bit more. A tiger shark means a little bit more to Quint than the great white. Why? Because he chose the tiger shark jaws to be on the front of the orca. So that's going to come into play later on. So let's go to the next time they mention the tiger shark in jaws. <laughs> Just like I thought. What? Came up in the Gulf Stream from southern waters. He didn't need a car, did he? No. <laughs> Tiger shark's like a garbage can and leave anything. Someone probably threw that in a river. <sighs> so there we have it. We have the autopsy scene where Hooper and Brody go to the dock and they dissect the tiger shark. And what I find interesting is he says it came up in the Gulf Stream from Southern Waters. There's the Louisiana license plate. No, <laughs> tiger shark's like a garbage can, illegal anything. Someone probably threw that in a river. So here you have a tiger shark being described as it will eat anything. It's like a garbage can. What's interesting is here is uh, we isolated the tiger shark out once again. So now we're gonna go to the famous uh, Indianapolis speech by Quint by Robert Shaw. In this famous speech right here, the tiger shark comes up. The tiger shark is brought up by Quint. Let's listen. 1,100 men went into the water. Vessel went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer, you know? You know that when you're in the water, Chief? You tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. Didn't see the first shark for about a half an hour. Tiger 13-footer. Isn't that interesting that he brings up Tiger 13-footer, the first shark that they saw, that he saw, that Quint saw in the water. Very interesting that a 13-foot tiger shark was used earlier in the movie. But that it doesn't stop there because right now uh, I'm going to go to another book. This book is called In Harm's Way by author Doug Stanton. It's the sinking of the USS Indianapolis and the extraordinary story of its survivors. If you turn to page 167, page 167, there's a sailor that's mentioned named Jack Cassidy. And I'm going to read this. As the shark attacks multiplied, the once optimistic boys were filled with a sense of helplessness. Jack Cassidy came face to face with a tiger shark that had been bothering him so long that he had even given it a name. He called the beast Oscar. He swung at it with his homemade knife and buried the blade an inch deep in the fish's tough snout. But Oscar swam away as if only annoyed. Cassidy was furious. He wanted to kill that shark, but he was relieved to be left alone. So that was page 167 to 168 of In Harm's Way by Doug Stanton. So we have historical, verified, documented evidence um, from sailor Jack Cassidy, who was one of the survivors of the USS Indianapolis, 
uh, that he says there was a large shark, there was a tiger shark that was bothering them that would not leave and would not go away. It kept coming back and that he named the, the shark Oscar. I'm going to go now to a website and you're going to be able to see all this. Uh, I'll, I'll put this website up as well in the show notes, but flyingheritage.org goes into detail with the Nakajima Ki-43 Hayabusa aircraft. So the small and nimble Ki-43 was the mainstay fighter of the Japanese army during World War II. The plane's drawbacks were its light construction and small caliber guns. Nonetheless, the plane served in combat throughout the Pacific. Later in the war, the planes became the mainstay of the Japanese army's kamikaze program. America, American and British pilots often misidentified the plane as a Mitsubishi Zero. The Ki-43 was assigned the Allied code name Oscar. In total, 5,919 Ki-43s were produced. From my research with the gunner's mates on the Indianapolis, the Indianapolis, um, the gun, they, they, the kamikazes, the nicknames they, they had for it was called Oscar. And now, uh, what I learned was the Allied code name was called Oscar for these for this Ki-43 aircraft that was used by kamikaze planes to attack the warships. So there's two things, two two very interesting things. Is did they know about this survivor Jack Cassidy and how he named a tiger shark Oscar, or was this just a coincidence, or was this just the way Jaws works? And the way Jaws works is it comes full circle and it has many little tie-ins that the tiger shark used, the real tiger shark that was caught in Florida and then used in the filming was named Oscar, that Quint talks about, and it was a 13-foot tiger shark. Quint talks about the first shark shows up, it's a 13-footer, and that Jack Cassidy, a survivor in the Indianapolis, battled a tiger shark that would not leave him alone, called, and he named it Oscar. That is why you see that in the opening to the book of Quint, a tiger shark is coming around and they do call it Oscar. That is where the details come into play. So that's where all these details I use to create this, um, this sequence uh, with the tiger shark that is stalking the men of Quint's group. And they do call it Oscar as you read in the book. What's interesting is as the story progresses, you actually see why the tiger shark, why the story of why there is a tiger shark jaws, why he uses a tiger shark jaws mounted on the front of the flying bridge for the orca. And that is very interesting. What I wanted to show was that there is this attachment. There's the three types of sharks that play a great role in the Jaws universe are the tiger shark, the great white, and the oceanic white tip shark. Secondary sharks that are mentioned as a mako shark, thresher shark, and dogfish, and all those other little secondary sharks that are mentioned. But the three main sharks that we're dealing with here are oceanic white tip sharks, tiger sharks, and great whites. And the tiger shark, and that's one of the many tie-ins that I have with the Book of Quint. So when you when you are reading the Book of Quint, or in the future when you watch the Book of Quint, and then watch Jaws in succession, you're going to see the narrative arc. And it's a beautiful arc because it ties it all together with the tiger shark. Thank you very much for listening this week, episode 56, The Tiger Shark. Show me the way to go I'm tired And stay tuned with John Tedder over at Quint's Shark and Shack at Etsy.com. He sent me one of the earlier prototypes. There's going to be uh, some new t-shirts coming in over there. And I am totally liking my Nako Nolan's St. Paddy's Day 1966 Boston, Massachusetts t-shirt uh, that he sent me. So thank you very much, John. That t-shirt is excellent and when he gets stock in, that's going to be over at his Etsy shop. So already Book of Quint merchandise starting to come out. Thank you to everyone out there who has been supporting the Book of Quint. I see a lot of people making t-shirts and posters and such, and it's exciting to see.
The movie Jaws is copyrighted property of Universal Studios. Any references and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyrighted Act. The copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are pre- protected by the fair use guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act. All rights reserved to the copyright owners. As always, you can reach me at JawsOB2025 at gmail.com. Please keep those emails coming in. It's exciting to hear all the early readers and the reviews. Always exciting to see. And once again, the Book of Quint is now represented by William Pettit Agency out of Atlanta, Georgia. You can find his contacts in the description of this broadcast. With that... I hope everyone has a good week for a well and a do. Show me the way to go home. <laughs>